Emerald City Comic Con, and Nerd Rock Icon's Kirby Crackle bring you Crackle Fest 9 on March 15th from the Hard Rock Cafe in Seattle, hosted by the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Enjoy a night of rocking out like the nerd you are with a lineup featuring Halifax-based nerd rapper, Word Burglar. Yo, this is for the rental patients, selecting discs and cassettes for play. Portland's own super duo, Mega Thruster. He is a Volkswagen and that's why he is named And of course, the master of nerd rock themselves, Kirby Crackle. Advanced tickets are just $15, tickets at the door, $18. This is a 21 and over show, so come on and celebrate the nerd culture with music, comedy, and themed drinks. Doors open at 8 p.m., show starts at 8.30. Head on over to KirbyCrackleMusic.com for ticket info and all things Cracklefest. Mike Cyber Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. And as the march towards Cracklefest 9 continues, this week's featured guest is Caleb Golner. He's been the poster artist for the last few Cracklefest shows, including this year's Cracklefest 9. But he's also a writer and comics artist, and we'll discuss his work on licensed books like Sonic, Power Rangers, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as well as his creator-owned comics and his work at Crunchyroll and Verve. And we'll let you know where you can meet Caleb yourself during Emerald City Comic Con. He'll have a table in Artist Alley. All of that more on this all-new episode of Mike Cyber Radio. But first, let's talk about what's coming up in the future. Here are some exciting coming attractions. Well, we're getting back into nerd music and my interview with Sean Berg, a.k.a. nerdcore rapper Word Burglar uh, from up in Toronto. He'll be performing at Cracklefest, of course, uh, but he just recently wrapped up a mini tour in Japan. So I want to ask him all about that, as well as, you know, the usual origin story stuff about his music and more. Maybe even talk about his G.I. Joe concept album uh, that's uh, that's really, really cool. Welcome to Cobra Island. Uh, That will be happening during episode 202 dropping on March 7th and then the following week on March 14th the opening day of Emerald City Comic Con and the day before Cracklefest 9 the big event Chris Waffle from Portland's acoustic nerd rock super duo Mega Thruster returns to the show that's going to be a lot of fun and stick around after this week's interview for a special anniversary shout out segment 
But for now... And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Caleb Golner joins us now on the Mike Seibert Radio Party Line. And Caleb, why don't we just start with introductions? Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little more about what you do. Cool. Happy to. Uh, well, I'm Caleb Golner. Uh, I kind of started my career as a freelance, kind of like a music critic and comic book blogger. Um, I was one of the editors at a site called ComicsAlliance.com uh, for five years and some change. Um, after that, uh, I've worked a number of jobs in marketing and social media and copywriting. Um, I'm currently a copywriter by day at Olation Inc. It's uh, part of the Warner Media family of companies, mm. so AT&T, in other words. Okay. Um, the site I write mostly for is Crunchyroll. So the anime streaming site. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I do by day, uh, by night, and weekends, especially. <laughs> yeah, I'm a <laughs> comic book writer and an artist. So I've gotten to write for a bunch of like Ninja Turtles books, um, the cartoon series, and kind of the core IDW series. Uh, I've gotten to write for the Power Rangers book at Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, I've been writing for the Sonic the Hedgehog comic also at IDW, um, and I've gotten to do a bunch of random stuff in between, so like Disney princess comics and all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, I've got a bunch of self-published books out as well. Uh, the biggest one is Task Force Rad Squad, a series I do with Buster Moody. It's sort of like uh, Super Sentai homage plus Caleb and Buster Brain. Um, I also have some books that I just draw and do on my own, called Mermaid Evolution, and I don't know, I got like six. I got so yeah. many comics. It's starting, it's, it's like, uh, I need to drink more coffee just so I can <laughs> think about them. Uh, but the one I'm working on right now is called Bird Squatch. Okay. And uh, I do that with my buddy Jim Gibbons. Jim was an editor at Dark Horse for a long time. Um, he's also got a bunch of writing credits. Um, and it's a Sasquatch in the future who's killing like uh, billionaires. So... You know, oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's yeah. topical too. I I, I like well, that, or or at least timely. Yeah. Um, these are not good people that are going down. These are not the like uh, Rockefellers of the world. And I, I don't know if I would classify Rockefeller as a great guy, right? Um, <laughs> in, uh, twenty in twenty nineteen, I think history has shown a few a few errors there, but yeah, you know, at least the dude bought a museum or two. He like built a library, you know, like you don't see a lot of that anymore. You don't see like the, uh, Jeff Bezos library anywhere. Right. Well, I mean, arguably you could, you could see the uh, Bezos library anytime you log on to that website. (laughs) That's true. You just pay 999. There it is. uh, Mark Twain and your, you know, Sylvia Plath. Like it's, it's one of those. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, Caleb, that sounds like quite the the uh, body of work, and you're uh, really quite prolific. Uh, I again, thank you for taking the time to uh, join us. It sounds like you're a really busy dude. Oh yeah, you know, but everybody's busy. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I just have to forsake video games 
more than some people. That's basically the only difference. <laughs> so, uh, no, gotcha. I, I really appreciate uh, I appreciate a reason to take a break from the two pages that I need to draw by the end of the day. Ah, I was very like, oh, good. hey, my, my, my Apple Pencil battery is at zero. This is perfect. Yeah. Let's go. Needs a minute to charge. Perfect. Um, so uh, the the main reason or, or uh, primary motivation for having you on the show is, you know, we're obviously talking about uh, Cracklefest 9, uh, which is going to be coming up on Friday, March 15th here in Seattle. Uh, Emerald City Comic Con presents Cracklefest 9, a night of nerd rock uh, featuring uh, Kirby Crackle, Word Burglar, and Mega Thruster, and, and hosted by uh, some guy that hosts a podcast. But uh, but no, you've... Uh, uh, did the poster art uh, for this year's Crackle Fest, and I'd uh, like to see if you'd like to talk about that. Yeah, um, so I guess you said you mentioned you've known Kyle for like four years. Mm-hmm. Somehow, ten or eleven years have passed since I met Kyle. <laughs> which oh wow! Is really, really wild. Yeah, I met him. Uh, I think at uh, Heroes Con '08 or maybe '09. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been so long; memory is failing. Uh, but we were just like in the same shuttle van from the airport in Charlotte to the hotel uh, by the convention center. So I don't know, like I was in bands at the time um, and I had been like kind of a screamo metalcore bro, like as a teenager and into my 20s. Oh, so nice. <laughs> it was one of those deals where every time you would just like meet somebody and maybe they had a guitar case near them or uh-huh. like a certain t-shirt or something, you'd be like, Hey, sup, let's talk about music. <laughs> um, so it wasn't even about comics. Just the fact that we were at a comics thing also just, you know, opened up a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it works for a lot of folks into this kind of jazz. Um, so yeah, like we just knew each other forever. Uh, I covered his band a little bit on the site that I worked at and we just became friends, um, over the years. So I drew the first Crackle Fest poster, uh, 2017, mm-hmm. which, what Crackle Fest are we on now? Nine? Uh, uh, so this one been, is nine. So that would have been six? Seven. Yes. I can't count. It would have been seven. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I did. And it was kind of uh, a poster where Kyle was a mermaid because mm-hmm. I had a mermaid comic. Uh, the next poster was 2018. We did kind of a Thor Ragnarok kind of homage. Yeah. Um, but it was based on the like the Euro poster for that movie, so it was the really cool like mm-hmm. uh, graphic psychedelic one. Yeah, and that was that was really hard. Uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know I could do that. So <laughs> I was, this year we went a little more simple uh, again, and he kind of wanted to do a pop culture thing. Um, at first, we discussed like doing a bird box type situation, but. Oh, sure. Uh, the worry was, you know, like Netflix dumps a new show like every t- two a week now or something. Yeah. So like nobody will remember that by the time the show comes out. So uh, we went with something just a little more uh, ever present, like evergreen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which is just, you know, Kyle is like a kaiju, like smashing up the city. Uh, we threw a space needle in the background, which I don't know if that's copyrighted or not, because <laughs> cities are evil now and can do stuff like that. Right. But we did it anyway. Uh, don't sue me Seattle I don't have any money um but yeah no like it's always it's always awesome doing those posters because aside from the comics I draw I'm mainly a writer who just kind of pretends to be a cartoonist okay so for these posters like I gotta dig deep 
and really try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, drawing sucks. Oh, like it, it's just agony. But um, that all said, it's like it's like your favorite show in anime. You know, it's like it's part of your training. You got to like wear the the weighted clothing and right. do all your special move practice and like swim through a volcano and like you come out a little bit stronger. So <laughs> um, yeah, Crackle Fest, I owe a lot to keeping my drawing skills sharp and making me try new stuff and actually care about perspective. Like it's a joy. Yeah. So I'm glad I got to do it. Very cool. And, you know, just uh, uh, to take a quick step back with the uh, the Cracklefest 8 poster, the the Thor Ragnarok uh, riff, uh, that one went over really well with the fans. Uh, we, we really dug that. And um, so I, I was there at the show uh, with the artists, and uh, I remember uh, uh, Lucia Fasano especially, who, you know, you did up as uh, as Hella. She, she just kept uh, mooning about how she's like, I'm on a poster and I'm hella, and it's awesome. And, you know, uh, yeah, Mega Rand was super stoked uh, of uh, his rendition as well. So it, uh, it it definitely clicked with the Crackleheads. That was that was uh, really cool. And I uh, and I love this year's poster as well. That's, uh, um, you know, it's I, I think going uh, timeless and iconic, I think, was a was a really good choice. Well, I'm glad Um Likenesses are like the scariest thing in the world for me to attempt to draw. Sure. Um, because it's like, I don't know, it's like, uh, I don't look like that. You know, like that's what you're always afraid of. Yeah. You're afraid you're going to draw somebody looking a little unflattering or maybe you're going to transform them a little too much and they don't see themselves in it at all. So, uh, no, thank you for reporting back because <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It's It's one of those things where if you do it right, you're like giving somebody a peace sign. If you do it wrong, it's like you're flipping them off. Yeah. It's like, please God, let me get this likeness. Okay. Yeah. Um, So that's a huge relief. Yeah. It's, it's like, do, do people think my nose is that big? You know, you know, it's like, it's, it's one of those kind of things. And, you know, as artists, you know, folks mostly just kind of work in a vacuum, right? You know, it's like, like feedback isn't really something that's, uh, um, I I guess, unless you go to the internet and they're, uh, there, they'll give you all kinds of feedback, but, um, yeah, they'll, they'll tell me like, Oh, so you're Hitler now. Like, oh God, I'm just trying to draw somebody in a band. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, so you mentioned that uh that you know you're you're primarily a writer. Um how uh how does the the drawing come into it? Is that is it just uh something that you just um just kicked around and just thought you would try to do and just scratch that itch occasionally? I I don't know if I know a whole lot of uh writer slash artists. Well, I think more writers than you know, especially in comics and even film and stuff, mm-hmm. start out uh, as children as artists or people who at least like to draw. Um, and I was kind of one of those kids. It's like, you're the best one in your class. You're the best artist in your class. And then like, you know, each grade comes and goes and you're like, I'm going to be a, an animator for Disney someday. And like, you've never animated anything, you know, you're in like fourth grade. So it just seems so easy. You just draw stuff, right? Um, You know, you do the art classes, like you do all that stuff. And eventually you hit about junior high or high school. And then somebody is actually good. Like somebody is so much better than you that you kind of give it up. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, sports, 
you hit a certain point, maybe like you love football, you love like volleyball, whatever, and you play it throughout your entire youth, but you get to high school maybe, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of a C team player. Like <laughs> I still love this stuff, but like maybe I should just like chill out, focus on yeah. something else, you know? Um, but yeah, a lot of people kind of just give up on drawing um, and other hobbies, like other like kind of artisanal hobbies, like maybe it's even writing for some folks. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of did that. I got into being in bands and I thought, well, I'm a better singer or whatever than mm. I am a, an artist, so I'll just focus on that. But it makes you sad. Like <laughs> you kind of yeah. miss it and maybe you don't know you miss it. Um and so I guess I was in, I kept drawing, I kept drawing to college. I had like comic strips and stuff, but I was like, well, I'm just like a bad artist. So I'll just do my bad stuff. Um, and I still kind of feel that way, but I think if it makes you happy, mm-hmm. maybe you should work on it a little bit. Maybe you should feed it a little, um, even if you don't have a huge audience or whatever it is. Yeah. But my problem was I just kept drawing full comics because, uh, is one of those deals where it's like, well, if I want to be somebody who makes comics, I need to make them or I'm not. <laughs> like, it's this really simple conversation you have with yourself. Like, if I don't draw, I'm not a cartoonist and I want to be a cartoonist, so I need to draw. Uh, so I just kept trying. And a lot of the things that, you know, I learned as a kid that I was too impatient to actually do, like, lay things out in perspective, Mm. like draw step by step. Like these are things that a lot of people just get impatient with, but if you just kind of treat it like a craft, you just kind of do it. Um, so yeah, I just kind of decided I wanted to have my own comics. And if I wanted to do that, I needed to draw most of them. Um, (laughs) because I can't afford to pay an artist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get you for every single book. Um, so yeah, now I do, uh, like a, weekly comic strips for my day job mm-hmm. um, for our streaming platform Verve uh, and also for the company blog. I'm doing comic strips there all the time. Uh, I draw a bunch of my own books and yeah, I guess I just decided I had to do it. So I guess I just forced myself to do it and it's a lot of fun when you stop crying. So <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, depression and lack of self care generally go in hand with uh, with a uh, uh, artist for sure. It's uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, yeah. It, it's not Take fun at times. It's not fun at Take times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, maybe maybe take a couple minutes while the while the pencil recharges to talk to a, a knucklehead podcaster or something like that. No, That's yeah, perfect. yeah. You get you, plus self care. <laughs> <laughs> Treat yourself, girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, and and that that's something that that I've always been kind of uh, envious of. You know, folks that that will have, you know, a couple few different talents, and they'll they'll cultivate them because you know it's like any kind of. Um, you know, if you want to be a writer or if you want to be a musician or if you want to be an artist, you know, the best advice I've heard is to just do that thing every day. You know, if you want to be a writer, you know, write X amount of pages every day or draw X amount of pages or, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about songwriting, but, you know, whatever that 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 equivalent is. And yeah, I just I just found uh, you, you talked about impatience when I I, I just found that 
I liked to do a lot of stuff, but I didn't really like to stick with anything. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and so I, I guess then since, since we're kind of like in this kind of, you know, uh, hip deep in the feels origin tor- story type of stuff, how um, how do you decide what lane to take because like you said you've been in bands uh you know you've you've done a lot of writing and and you know the the cartooning as well how um yeah how do you balance that and how do you uh kind of really figure out what talks to you best um i mean there's some trial and error for sure uh there are things you know like i'm not currently in a band i haven't recorded music in a couple years which um, you know, once in a while you'll be like looking in the mirror when you get ready for work and you're just like, who the hell am I? What happened to me? Mm-hmm. I used to have hair down my back. Um, but you know, especially as you get older, like I'm in my kind of early thirties now, you just kind of have to like really evaluate where you want to go. Maybe look back at like what you missed out on or maybe what you wish you would have done a little more. And you just kind of have to have this conversation with yourself about like, what's reasonable to cultivate like for real and what mm-hmm. am I doing in my life that I can do without maybe you find yourself like with some bad habits like maybe you're just like drinking too much every night maybe mm-hmm. you're just like and I'm not talking about like drinking <laughs> like 10 beers a night oh sure but you know you, you you might watch like three hours of tv a night or mm-hmm. something and like drink like half a six-pack and you know, like sometimes you need to do that depending on what kind of day you've had. But, mm-hmm. um, I've just found like, I can spend at least one of those three hours drawing or I can spend two of them drawing or I can spend all of them. drawing. <laughs> sure. I, sure. Um, so, you know, whatever it is in your life, if you're interested in sort of getting back in it, uh, for some people it's just exercising or just spending time with friends or, you know, um, going to like a trivia night or playing D and D or whatever it is, there's something out there that will make you feel a little bit more whole. Um, sometimes like I'm a bit of a workaholic. So of course I had to like make my stupid hobbies a thing. Um, but even if that's not your interest, like it's kind of just trying to figure out what's going to make you feel like a whole person. Um, and just really making an effort to commit to being a whole person so whether it's a hobby or it's a skill or it's just actually like seeing people, not just going to work, coming home, getting on your phone, feeling like you're wasting your life, which I think we all do sometimes, sure. uh, especially with like, um, you know, fear of missing out and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a matter of uh, personal growth even yeah. just to make any of those commitments. But um especially as we get older and the world gets a little more polarized, I think it's really important to try to just go for whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's almost the, the, uh, why not mentality, you know, it's just like, you just, Kinda, yeah. you, you, you find the thing you want to do and then just do it, you know, and then just, you know, practice, practice, practice and get better at it. And hopefully you'll find somebody that wants to pay you for the thing that you like doing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how that, how that world is supposed to go. Um, so with that then, um, can you kind of talk about how, uh, how you got involved 
in um, a lot of your stuff. You know, it's like you've, you've talked about uh, several of your uh, comic series. And how does one basically become a uh, or how not not one, but how did how did you specifically land the gigs that you have? Well, it's weird. So I was a comic book blogger for a long time. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my head, I sort of convinced myself that I would never make my own. Like, no, I'm just like an expert in like reading comics and like talking about them and the medium and whatever else, you know? Yeah, yeah. I kind of I kind of thought it was cool to be a reporter in that way. You get a lot of access. You get to find out a lot of stuff. You get to meet a lot of people. Um, That's exciting, or especially it was to me when I was kind of younger it's kind of felt like the music scene and now I was in the music scene, the heavy music scene. Now I'm going to be in the comic scene. It was cool. You know, you kind of get a look behind the curtain at a lot of stuff. Um, but somewhere along the way, I don't know. I just felt like, I think I would rather be the one doing the thing than the one writing about the thing a little bit. Yeah. Um, which I still do a little bit of both, but, I don't know. Um, I kind of got this itch to like really go for it. I think I was about 26 years old, something like that. So uh, I started writing a comic. I started looking for an artist. Uh, it took me about six months to a year to really like decide I was really doing it. Um, but that was a good amount of time uh, to think about what I really wanted to do as I was sort of getting it ready. Um, and then once I found Buster, who was already a friend of mine, uh, in Kansas city where I used to live, things just like clicked and happened really fast. And while that was all happening, I was started drawing my own book. Like I just sat down one Mm -hmm. weekend and I drew the entire thing. Um, like I thumbnailed it basically. I made like a really rough version. Sure. And then I spent the next like two years drawing like an 80 page graphic novel, um, or like 90 pages or something. So, and then I just kept making more, um, a buddy of mine, um, a buddy, Jason, um, he was already a comic book artist and he was just like, once you start doing this, you will get addicted. And I did. So (laughs) he was absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of fall in love with the process, uh, and you fall in love with experimenting new ways to refine your process. And, make comics more efficiently and effectively and kind of just like get better at doing it. It's kind of like working out or something. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure like your form on your deadlift is correct. And then you don't hate doing deadlifts so much. You're just like, Oh my, like I can like lift way heavier now and faster. And like you see kind of this incremental progress Mm -hmm. and it's exciting. Like you don't feel like you're leveling out or you're plateauing. Like, I started from zero at drawing basically, or maybe one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> getting to a five or a six or a seven uh, from starting so low is like, you feel like a superhero. Like, oh, I didn't know I could do all this. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's kind of like being a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I just kind of, I got confident. And at a certain point, I started talking to some editors who I had sort of known socially mm-hmm. uh, from being a blogger about, I, I hadn't been blogging for about two years. Um, so at this point I didn't feel gross talking to people. I wasn't in the scene. I wasn't like abusing some kind of privilege. Yeah. Cause trust me, if you're a comic book blogger and you want to go like pro, 
unless you're like gross, um, it's not going to happen. All your relationships start from zero. Like <laughs> you go from being a guy who's like talking to Joe Casada on mm-hmm. the phone, um, doing some wizard interview yeah. to, Oh, that's cute. You write comics now. You know, <laughs> like we have the best people. So, uh, talk to me in five years and you've got a resume. Oh, okay. Um, I get you. But that's for the best. Yeah. It's, it's more fair. Like you really have to prove yourself again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so at a certain point I had a conversation with, uh, Bobby Kernow at IDW. Um, it turned out I had just made like a short fan comic with my buddy Buster, like a turtle story that we just threw on Tumblr. Um, it's just the turtles beating up the foot clan because they didn't get invited to their barbecue <laughs> slash pool party. So it was like, it was like six, eight pages, really short. Yeah. Um, but I, but I spoke with Bobby and he had seen the comic and he had like some openings on his turtles animated book, which was based on the, uh, 2012 CGI Nickelodeon series. Oh, okay. Sure. So, yeah. This was at San Diego comic-con like six years ago, something like that. Um, and yeah, it turned out he had some openings. We talked, um, I had to pitch, I guess my pitches made sense. Um, I got like a short backup story. Uh, I guess that made sense. Nickelodeon approved it mm-hmm. after some notes. And I just kind of kept begging people to let me pitch. And they kept saying, okay. And I've got a bunch of books out. So okay. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta be ready to find out how to make the right connections. You know, you don't just get on LinkedIn and apply for comic book writer. Right. Um, it's not that kind of industry. Most creative fields aren't. So, yeah, you just kind of got to know who to talk to. You got to know when to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And you got to know how to just be, like, ready to present yourself as a professional. Um, and that's all a nightmare. And yeah. <laughs> there's, like, no there's no one answer on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be ready to try and basically just like not panic and cry and vomit in front of people when you mm-hmm. want to bridge some of these early conversations. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how I've got a comics career, I guess. Uh, and it's pretty weird. So I'm grateful. Thanks Bobby <laughs> and everyone cool. else. Very cool. I, I would imagine much like with any other type of creative pursuit where, you know, it's like, you know, you, you see your name on a writing credit or something like that. It's, do you have that moment where you just kind of got to pinch yourself and say, wait a minute, I, I'm doing this. I, I'm writing and creating comic books, doing the thing. Yeah. Um, I've tried desperately to sort of bury, because it's weird. I hate attention unless I, I feel like I like cured cancer or something. I don't oh, want okay. a party. I don't want, um, but at the same time, like it is, you, you need to let yourself enjoy that feeling mm-hmm. uh, when you can get it because it's, I try to just like be so busy that I don't have time to like celebrate. Oh, like, sure. yeah, well this is just what I should be doing. Right. Like, mm-hmm. cause you can, you can get in this headspace where you don't feel like you're doing enough. Like, yeah, you know, like that was cool that I got to do that, but this other person's doing this book and I should be doing something like that. Like you start to compare yourself to other people. So my solution to not doing that is to just like, yeah, well, I guess I did that. That's cool. But you know, (laughs) next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like 
when the Sonic comic came out uh, a couple months back, that was huge for me because Sonic the Hedgehog is what got me into comics, which is kind of weird. Um, so yeah, like, like I bought a Sonic yeah. shirt and like wore it that day that it came out. And like my wife went to a comic shop and picked me up a copy. And I was just like, my parents were like calling me. <laughs> it's one of those like <laughs> one of those special kind of like corny, happy things because that was, that was one of the moments where it felt like, Oh, like, I went full circle with this thing in my life that I really care about. Um, so yeah, like it, it's a really special thing and, uh, you want to be careful not to get too corny about it, you know, but, um, it's something that like, if you put in the work, you should be able to enjoy that stuff on some level. Uh, so yeah, I've been, I've been really fortunate. I gotcha. You know, and, and to dwell on that for a hot second. Now, I, I'm not the hugest Sonic head myself. Like, I, I was a Super Nintendo kid. My my friend had the Genesis, and he had all the, the Sonic games. But uh, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. We were the we were the reverse, right? Right, so like, yeah. Super Mario World, I was like, oh, God, I wish I could play that game. Yep, but <laughs> exactly. Sonic 2, so, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I know there have been uh, previous runs of uh, Sonic and comics that are really, really beloved by fans that, like, a lot of uh, casual comics fans don't even really know much about. Um, so with, with that kind of... Uh, legacy does that does that kind of did that kind of mess with you at all you know approaching um, approaching the Sonic books um, I was really lucky because uh, the current line at IDW uh, the IDW got the series after it had been an Archie for a long time mm-hmm. like 20 plus years like yeah. forever yeah it, it uh, was like up two, to like, like 200 something issues right yeah, like it was like Claremonti and X Men type of numbers, you <laughs> yeah. know, like crazy stuff. Um, so there is a new continuity, but mm-hmm. I was sort of fortunate in that I was writing a video game tie in comic. So it had its own sort of like semi continuity, but it wasn't going to break the current run uh, that Ian is writing. And it wasn't going to break the game, and it wasn't going to like affect the old comics. Mm hmm. So it's sort of like a like a best of character moment targeted kind of story. Um, so you can just kind of kick back and just have fun with the characters, and you're not going to break anything mm-hmm. as long as like the characters are the characters and fun stuffs going on. Uh, so I didn't have too much stress, but you know Sonic fans are pretty hardcore. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you want to make sure that you're keeping everybody at least like a certain level of, of happy. Like you want to let them know that you care. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think as long as fans can tell that you care and you love, you love Sonic and all the characters as much as they do, like everything's cool. You're not coming in and like farting in their face. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, like, uh, it seemed like the reaction was fine. Nobody sent me like a dozen black roses in the mail with no signature. So um, <laughs> you're next. About it. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, so is that is that experience comparable to your work on Turtles and Power Rangers? Also, then you think? Yeah, the Power Rangers fans are really cool. Um, I just did a backup in last year's uh, annual. Um, but I got to do a story that was, they've got like a multiverse 
since the Power Rangers series don't necessarily all line up in like one sustained narrative, right. kind of more of a multiverse approach. Um, so I got to write a backup for uh, in the SPD world where the Power Rangers are sort of like um, space cops. Yeah. And normally I don't love the cops so much, but if they're Power Rangers and they're just fighting monsters, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's an inclusive police force. They got a lot of aliens, you know, like, mm-hmm. Um, it's a different kind of situation. So um, that story was really cool and really fun. And the fans just like got it because I'm a big Power Rangers guy. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was a blogger, I talked about him online a lot. So there wasn't like a question, like, why are you writing Power Rangers? It was like, well, of course, of course you did this. You know? Oh, <laughs> so, see. Um, fans are really cool. Uh, Turtles. Turtles is an awesome fandom. Mm-hmm. Um like turtles fans just like all versions of the turtles and they get it. Even if they like one more than the other, yeah, they're like, eh, just like wait three years. There'll be another one. You know, they're like, nobody's trying to break this or ruin this. Um, so yeah, they just, they're pretty, they're pretty willing to just like mm-hmm. chill out, enjoy what's in front of them, talk to you about it. If they've got opinions, it's always sort of just in the interest of being fun. Yeah. It's not, it's not like an argument. It's not like you're stupid. Um, so yeah, I've always had a great relationship with turtles fans and, uh, they seem to get that I'm just as big of a turtles nerd as anybody. So we can just like chat at shows. Uh, so yeah, yeah, like I've been lucky. I've been extremely lucky with all the different fandoms. I get to work on books for and chat with. Gotcha. So with a with working on licensed characters, I mean, you alluded to it earlier uh, with a, with your first uh, turtle story that you did. You know, inevitably there's notes and things like that. I now I I've heard horror stories all up and down the joint of uh, you know folks working with licensed characters. Uh, what's been your experience on that side? Oh yeah, no. Uh... <laughs> So first off, my experience has been pretty pretty chill. Um, mm-hmm. It's been pretty fine. Um, there, you definitely get some weird notes once in a while, though. Uh, <laughs> like, weirdly, working on uh, the Sonic story was, was one of the easiest processes I've ever had. Um, usually when I get notes, it's like maybe just like a slight dialogue tweak here and there, um, just to make sure I'm not making everybody talk too much like Caleb and I'm making them talk a little bit more like you know, the, a genius boy fox, you know. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, no, that's a good note, thank you. And then you just think about it for a moment, you come back with, with another option or two, and um, you're good to go. Uh, but, yeah, definitely on some of the books I've worked on, um, I've, I've had some notes, especially uh, because there are certain rules with some of these characters, especially kids' characters, and especially on television. There's like things that you can't do okay. because they're dangerous, or they have uh, they have basically behaviors that you wouldn't want a real child to imitate. So, you know, it's always a slippery slope too, because like the Ninja Turtles, for example, these guys got ninja weapons. They jump around, they cut off robot heads, uh-huh. you know, like they do crazy stuff. They blow up factories. Like <laughs> they're, they're insane. Um, so you'll get a note once in a while. that's like, Oh, Hey, can we not show them like using an oven by themselves without like their parent around? 
<laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. Uh, and so, but you know, you get a creative solution, which is okay. Yeah. Well now they just like made a fire with like their sword and like, they're just like cooking stuff with mm-hmm. like a sigh over an open flame. And it's like, well, okay. Like kids don't have katanas and they don't have like a trash barrel full of, I don't know, like some chemical yeah, compound. Sure, like, sure. I guess that's fine. And you're like, oh, the logic here is a little spurious, but yeah. you know, whatever keeps the kid from burning their hand off, I'm like, that's fine. And and honestly, it makes the comics more exciting anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you really want to see a turtle using an oven. That's boring. Like, let's, yeah. let's have them blow something up and, like, roast a marshmallow with their sword. Like, that's cooler anyway. So, um, those are the weirdest notes I've gotten. But, yeah, you hear some crazy stuff, especially uh, for some, like, heavily copyrighted, uh, major IP, uh, yeah. you, you hear some crazy stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, uh, so that's your, your license work and I've been kind of, uh, neglecting, uh, some of your other stuff. Um, you know, uh, I, I just happen to have the, uh, comiXology page up and, you know, uh, uh, you know, do you want to talk about some of your other stuff? Like, uh, like mermaid evolution? Yeah, um, I'm going to need to pull my comicsology page up, too, because I have no idea what I do anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mermaid Evolution was kind of my first solo comic where I just did everything myself. Um, and it started off as just a joke, like a webcomic. And I kept going because people actually really liked it, mm-hmm. um, which was a huge relief and a big motivator. So I ended up doing three single issues and kind of combined them into one. I guess it's a graphic novel. Sure. Um, and it's available on Comixology. You can read it all on mermaidevolution.com too, but that's the worst way to read it because it's very like mid-2000s webcomic, bloggy. It's hard to read. Uh, so just buy it. Yeah, just give me money instead. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of the comic that taught me how to draw again. Um, if you look at the quality in each chapter, if you see like, you know, even my coloring technique or my lettering technique, Mm -hmm. uh, you can just tell it's one big experiment. It's just one big project where, uh, a dude in his late twenties is like desperately trying to figure out what he was doing when he was in sixth grade. Like the last time he really thought he was going to be an artist. Um, and it does, it like improves as you go through, which is kind of fun. Uh, for me to look at anyway. And since it's supposed to be sort of this crude, uh, rando comic anyway, like I'm not too personally offended by how bad my art is in places. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, I was just going for it. Whatever. It's not a problem. Um, but yeah, like I, I finally finished it. Um, I actually had it translated into Japanese and I went oh, to wow. uh, Tokyo. I went to this show called Comiquette. Um, it's like the biggest, it's, I think it's the biggest comic show in the world, um, period. They do it twice a year, once in the summer, once around, uh, New Year. And so they got like a summer and a winter. There's another show called Kamatia, mm-hmm. which is similarly sized. It's in the same venue. Um, but yeah, I went as like an American creator, uh, I had some contacts who were able to like help me apply, get me a table and all that stuff. Um, from my time working at this company called Wacom that makes all the digital art tablets and stuff. 
so that was sort of like this weird uh, vanity trip where <laughs> I got to pretend I was like kind of like a manga artist. Who's okay. Manga, they were my favorite comics, period. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, that was really fun. Sold a bunch to a bunch of folks who like were very um, excited to be able to read it in Japanese, even though my Japanese lettering was like super bad. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I don't oh. know how to use fonts. So you let enough. you lettered it yourself then? Translated it into Japanese? Well, I had a, a translation team translate and localize it for me. Mm. So basically I just had to drop new copy into the word balloons that I had already done. Um, the issue was, you know, there are different things about written Japanese. There are several styles of written Japanese also, uh, depending on what you're doing. So I had to learn a lot about like, oh, you can't just have arbitrary line breaks like we're used to doing in English and especially in comics, you know, uh, to get everything to fit inside a word balloon. So there was a lot of education um, <laughs> and I had to redraw a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was it was an amazing headache to have. Uh, but as far as like fonts and stuff go, I didn't have time to like research like how to make the fonts look sexy. Um, so to a Japanese reader, it might look like the whole book is in Times New Roman or something terrible. Oh, so, <laughs> okay. I understand. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's, huh. it's like everything. It's like all these considerations that you don't really uh, make until it happens. And then you're like, oh, oh, there are a million things to think about. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was super fun. Uh, and ever since I finished Mermaid Evolution, I've been working on a bunch of other one shots. Mm-hmm. I did one called Merpugs, um, <laughs> and it's some enamel pens to go with that. Um, I did another book called Ice Cream Warriors. Uh, it's about a bunch of ice cream. It's kind of like He-Man or something. Um, and then I've got Bird Squatch, which um, right. we did a like a 30, 32-page first issue. And it came out four years ago and some change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I've had the script for the second issue for two years maybe, but life, a lot of life stuff happened and... Um, I couldn't really focus on it because it's another 32-page comic. Sure. Uh, so I kind of just got back around to it in the last 10 months or so. Uh, but I've been jamming on it as hard as I can, and I've got two pages left to draw, but it should mm-hmm. be done in time for Emerald City. So um, I'm just gonna re- we're going to release it as a single graphic novel. Uh, we're not going to do two issues. I'm hopefully going to be able to just replace it by Comixology. So anybody who's bought the first issue will just basically get like an upgrade. Uh, this whole new file with, with the rest of the story in it. Oh, that way cool, I don't man. feel like I ripped anybody off. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think Comixology can do that. But uh, if it can't, I'll find a way to get it to everybody. Um, I didn't sell a million copies yet, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so... Yeah, Bird Squatch will be number two slash the full uh, graphic novel will be coming out shortly. And um, I'm hoping people dig it because I've learned a ton more about drawing. Um, It's amazing. Like, it's like a full record scratch, the difference between the first half and the second half. So uh, hopefully, hopefully there'll be some kind of through line that people can understand. 
Gotcha. And they won't just think it's a new artist. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, sorry, we, in between issues in four years, we got a different artist. But no, that's yeah. got, got to be fun for fans, though, to, you know, uh, almost do like a side-by-side compare and contrast, you know, just to kind of see the development. That's that's kind of neat because like you know we all have our favorite artists and it's always cool to kind of go back and look at their early stuff and say like "Ooh, that was that was a little rougher or rougher than i remember um you know with like uh i don't know i mean throw any name out there where it's like you know i mean you you can you can see the progress and it's uh it's it's a pretty cool feeling to see yeah uh for me at least i have the luxury of no one's going to say I like their old stuff better. Uh, <laughs> it's going like, to be like, this new stuff's pretty good. Yeah. That old stuff had its charms, though. Yeah. You know, Hopefully it's more of that. Um, I'm not going to be like a 90s comic book artist. And uh, yeah, I remember when they were sick, and now they just kind of look like normal. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a totally different reaction. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's not going to be like a, a Frank Miller type of situation. It's like I remember we used to like you know have have perspective and and compose actual figures instead of drawing with what appears to be a sharpie or something like that. It's just man. Yes. Also, uh, I'm not incredibly xenophobic and racist like Frank Miller. Well, so, uh, there is also I, that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so. I, I should I should say uh, it it. it it doesn't show up in my work rather I don't make it uh it's not part of my work to um talk to make people look bad so (laughs) god bless Frank yeah yeah that's that that's a that's a whole nother uh jar of worms I just gotta throw the cap back on and screw it on real tight and throw it in the nearest river before uh uh, before that happens because it's you know it's one of those worms yeah it's yeah it's a grand canyon of worms (laughs) It really, it really, really is. Um, so, uh, so you mentioned with uh, with Bird Squatch that that it'll, it'll uh, uh, possibly be ready by Emerald City Comic Con. Um, are uh, are you coming up to Seattle for ECCC this year? Yes, and I'll be at table. I want to say R two because I remember that the table number was easy to remember, yeah. and of course now I can't remember it at all. Um, let me let me triple check that because that seems too good to be true. It might be R four. I don't know. It'll be it'll be on my Twitter. It's uh, R something. Yeah. Oh man. So it's going to it's going to be the frumpy red one then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll be like uh, one of the lesser Astromex. Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. I'm actually like. Oh, sorry. I should be talking into my microphone instead of drifting. And pressing buttons. Yeah, that uh, that got real bad. I, I've I've actually got the uh, uh, Emerald City website up, and I'm trying to see if I can sharpshoot that. I didn't. Oh, it's uh, I found it in my email. It's R10. Oh, very good. But I'm sure that you know the people at R4 and R2 would love to see you. Also, it's Absolutely. a great artist, Valley. <laughs> Come on out, but especially R10, which is where I'll be. Rotten. That's how I was trying to remember it with a monomic device. <laughs> Raw Ted. Oh man, that's yeah. 
That's uh, that's special. <laughs> um, I'll have a pirate flag or something at my table. It'll be yeah, cool. exactly. It's like you know, if uh, uh, if you talk like a pirate, you get a uh, you know, just whatever's. But that's so that's interesting. So actually, you know, a couple different places I want to go from there. Um, have a have you been to uh, Emerald City Comic Con uh, in recent years after they've uh, kind of uh, revamped the floor plan a little bit? Yeah, so I can't remember. I think my first Emerald City that I attended as a blogger was 2008. Oh, okay, I, sure. I don't think I've missed a year since then. Oh, God, um, in nice. one way or another, I think I've been at the show every single year uh, for like 11 years, which I guess is as long as I've known Kyle, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I've been tabling there as a creator uh-huh. the past five, six, seven years. Something oh, that's like awesome. That. Quite a while. Um, really so cool. yeah, I've seen the show. The show's always been big. Like oh, that yeah. convention center is just big, uh, and it's always had you know a great crowd and tons of talent. And um, I just love Seattle anyway. Sure. I lived in Portland, Oregon for like seven years, so I was always going up to Seattle. Anywho, because it's just rad. Mm-hmm. And I just love the Northwest. Um, but yeah, it's it's changed a lot and. I kind of never know what to expect. Um, it's a pretty sophisticated show. Yeah. And that the folks who attend the show get it. Like they know comics, they know pop mm-hmm. culture, like it's a pretty hip crowd, mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and it's also full of like way better creators than me. So it's kind <laughs> of uh, the level of like the stakes are high. Sure. At, at Emerald City, a little higher than they might be at, like some regional Midwestern show, uh-huh. like still a great show, but you know, maybe there's 12 creators there or something, you know, at this show, it's like, Oh, it's the best in the business. Yeah. You know, like Jeff Darrow is here. Like, why are you looking at me? Like over there? Like <laughs> seriously, yeah. spend your money better. Um, but yeah, like I think the, the changes have all been hopefully for the better. Like, Oh, yeah. like hopefully this year I sell, a thousand copies of everything. Um, but <laughs> it's something I look forward to every year yeah. and uh, I'm excited to get there this year for sure. That's awesome. So, uh, so you were talking about selling a thousand copies. Uh, talk about some of the stuff you'll have at the table. Uh, well, I'll have sort of everything I've mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have the latest Sonic thing I've done. Uh, I just had a story in the amazing world of gumball Spring Break Smash. Right. So if you like Gumball and Cartoon Network, um, I'll have my Boom issue there at the table. Also, uh, I'll have Bird Squatch, of course. So come get that. That's my new book. Um, and yeah, I'll basically have everything that's on Comicsology uh, that I've done myself, and maybe some some comps here and there from sure. random books. Uh, and bring anything if if you've got stuff to sign. Happy to do that. I'll only pressure you to buy something a little bit. It'll be fine. <laughs> just a little bit. It's fine. Yeah, just, just a little. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, and and uh, the reason why I wanted to ask you about the uh, Emerald City Artist Alley thing is, like, I, I really like what they've done with it in, like, the last two, maybe three years, where they've put it up on the sixth floor, and, you know, when, when people go to... Uh, 
a show like Emerald City, like you said, it's it's a it's a great show. It's very well regarded. It's a great crowd, awesome creators. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where everybody has their their own agenda and their own what I guess I would like to call your show. You know, it's like some people yeah. are there for uh, for the media guests, some people are there for the comics guests. And what I what I like about what they've done with Artist Alley is you can just beeline it up to the sixth floor and suddenly you're like in the in the best uh little big show ever because it's all just wall-to-wall creators you don't have to worry about dodging people looking to get like photo opportunities with with the stranger things kids and and all that it kind of makes it compartmentalized in a way that it hadn't been previously and i i i really like that move yeah it's it's weird that's always a risk i guess um, but as we've kind of seen at this show and of course, like New York comic-con mm-hmm. both read shows, read pop shows. Yep. Um, I don't think it's been the end of the world. Sometimes I can feel that way. Like maybe I have a slow Thursday or something like, Oh, I don't know if this was a good idea. Yeah. But then you think back to how things were before and you're like, Oh, it's always like this. <laughs> it's always like this on Thursday. It's yeah, a little it, slow during it's still day. Thursday because <laughs> it's Thursday, and you're like, "This is fine." Like, yeah. there's still people here. Like, this is still fun. Mm-hmm. I need to chill out. Um, but yeah, I mean, like a con this big, like it sort of turns into a theme park. It's like yeah. you know Disneyland or something. It's like you know, I don't need to go to Space Mountain today. You know, I'll go. I'll go some other time. Mm-hmm. I really just want to go to like uh, Adult Island or whatever, and, like <laughs> have a beer, and then I want to like I don't know, just look at the tourists for a while, do some people watching. Yep. Um, so yeah, like most of the folks who come up to Artist Alley, they know why they're there. Yep. They're they're looking, they're ready to buy stuff, they're ready to talk to you. Um, it kind of cuts out some of the, uh, for lack of a more respectful term, the looky loose. Yeah, you know the people with kids who like set like a a box of pizza on top of like the corner of your table for half an hour mm-hmm. while they like tear off covers and God bless those folks too, but they don't buy anything, so not really. Um, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's just by 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 sort of uh, partitioning the show that way. Um, I think you just get a little bit more. It's a little easier to interact with the people who do come. Yeah, um, it's just kind of like. Everybody knows what they're there for. Uh, it's it's understood that you're an artist alley, and maybe you shouldn't like sit your backpack down on top of their table. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's just not something that's done. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. Looking forward to it again this year. Very cool. Yeah, I, uh, I I would always feel for the folks in like those first two rows, like when you first walk in, and yeah, like you said, it's you know it's setting down the pizzas and the backpacks, and it's like. Now, now that it's kind of opened up and it's kind of more just kind of like general exhibition area, I think that's I think that's just a better fit for uh, for everybody. So. Oh yeah, I mean, I still remember. I think my first year tabling, I think it was my second year tabling in Emerald okay. City, and this was back when they had the uh, artist alley sort of in the exhibitor hall level. Yeah. Um, this these like it was a group of a couple teenagers. And they just made a beeline straight for me as soon as the doors opened. I was like, oh, what's this? Do I have fans? Like, this is crazy. And, I mean, they bought, like, something. They bought, like, the cheapest thing on my table. And it's because they wanted me to break a $100 bill, you know? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. 
well, but at the same time, I was like, oh, sweet, I just made five bucks, you know, but <laughs> it was still true. funny. That's it was true. still funny to me. Um, and they were really nice. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, I would do the same thing if I were like 17. I wouldn't sure. even think about it. Um, but yeah, like, haven't had that happen in a while. Yeah. So, you know, that's just one, that's one key <laughs> difference for me personally. <laughs> that's a, oh man, that's a, that, that's a great story. Um, let me see what, what do I want to ask you next? Um, so, so you've been kind of, you know, in the industry, either directly or tangentially, um, do you have any cool stories you'd like to share from uh, uh, from interacting maybe with other uh, creators or communities? Oh man, there's a million, and yeah, it's funny because like the the stories, my best stories are ones that I don't want to share publicly. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> those are the best ones. <laughs> I know some I of them are you. like you know some of them are from like back in the day where like they're they're kind of like con bar stories. Or like you to see something crazy, you see someone mm-hmm. acting crazy, you're like, Oh, that was so and so and it's like, Oh my god, really? Like you're you're younger, you're like you're a little bit more of a pure fan. So um, you know, like just riding the elevator with like George R. R. Martin or something just like blows your mind mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah, or like, yeah. Oh, I peed next to next to Joss Whedon. Like that's the kind of stuff that like just would blow your mind. Mm-hmm. Um now the stories that I kind of seek or more like, oh, I got to have dinner with somebody who's like a hero of mine, yeah. or I got to like actually have like a good conversation, or uh, tell somebody I really admire who made like a cartoon I like that they look exactly like my older brother, and like show them a picture and have them agree. You know, it's like that's the kind of stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a good story? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I gotcha. I've, I've I've gotten so lucky. Like back when I was a blogger, you know, you just you got to interview the heads of all the comic book companies that, that you liked and, and read from, you got to interview a ton of talent. You get to actually make friends with a lot of people that you mm-hmm. never thought you would even get to meet. Um, so I don't know that that's, that's a lazy cop out answer. Um, but yeah, like, I guess my best story is just getting to know a lot of amazing artists and, and writers and stuff and like not have them want to, beat me up every time they see me like sure. that's pretty cool uh <laughs> well and and i would but, imagine little... I, I was gonna say i would imagine i mean going back to your time at comic alliance i i'm sure there would be times where creators would be like ah that guy <laughs> you know well yeah we were i don't know i wasn't one of the um one of the more marquee kind of like opinion piece writers i was a little bit more of a like a fixer, like a background person. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, I would do the occasional like vanity interview. Like I interviewed the, one of the Zach Baggins from ghost hunters or ghost adventures. Oh, sure. um, Yeah. Okay. Which was like, which was like hilarious to me at the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) just, um, and you know, I got to interview like some celebrities, like sort of at that kind of cable TV, like smaller movie, maybe like a CW show kind of level. Um, and those are always fun because yeah. it was like, wow, I'm actually talking to this. This is a real person. This mm-hmm. is an actual person. Um, but since I had been primed for that from, I interviewed bands and stuff, uh, when I was younger. So, you know, like rock stars and all that, like I was kind of just used to meeting, meeting celebrities, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I guess 
Uh, one thing that I wrote about on social over the past year, of course, Anthony Bourdain passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of my favorite interviews. So uh, if I have a story, I guess it's just Anthony Bourdain was actual awesome. Um, mm-hmm. He was a really sweet guy. Uh, he had Get Giro come out, um, I guess, through Vertigo or maybe DC proper. I can't remember what imprint they put it under, but... Uh, the first one came out several years ago. The sequel has since come out. Um, but he was extremely genuine. He was extremely nice. He was super down to earth. Mm-hmm. He was exactly what you would see on like any of his shows. He'd be like, oh, Anthony Bourdain seems like a real guy. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he's like a very smart guy, he's yeah. still real. Uh, and he was exactly that. He was super nice. And he's a comic fan already, so you didn't have to explain anything to him. Um, and yeah, he just let us chat with him. We went a little over our assigned journalism time, which is like a sin. But like, he didn't rush us. He was super cool. And uh, I recommended, I, I asked him if he ever went shopping on the floor. And he was like, well, you know, I might try, but like, you kind of get, you know, the people want to talk to you and stuff. And sometimes it harder to shop because you don't really ignore people and i just said oh well you know there's always this rumor that like leonardo dicaprio and guys like that they'll show up to um comic-con and they'll just like put on a mask because you can there's mm-hmm. cosplayers everywhere yeah and they'll shop that way and he was like oh really like he kind of lit up he's like that's actually a really good idea <laughs> and it was the year that they were giving out uh, dc was giving out those court of the owls masks oh yeah yeah and so a couple hours later on Twitter, he posted a picture of himself in one of those, and it just said, incognito. I was like, oh, he did it. <laughs> He's going shopping on the floor in a mask. So, oh, get out of um, here. That's yeah, I amazing. guess that's one of my favorite stories. That was like a really positive yeah. interaction for me. And, um, yeah, that was like one of the only – anytime a celebrity dies, of course, it's always really um, – it can have like a big impact. Yeah. Uh, especially like people like David Bowie or like Chris Cornell was a big one this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, like I, even a lot of folks I've interviewed who have since passed away, um, you know, you don't necessarily feel like a huge personal connection. So while it's, you know, sad and it's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are in mourning. Um, it's also, you know, you're, it's not like your grandfather dying or something. Right. But, um, yeah. When Anthony Bourdain passed, it was like, Oh damn. <laughs> I yeah. love that guy. He was awesome. So that was probably that's probably one of my best yeah. uh, blogger blogger memories. I guess you could call it. Sure, I, that's a wonderful story. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing that. That uh, I, I tell you what, that that's kind of uh, definitely bringing up the feels because that yeah that one hit pretty hard. Uh, that that yeah, one definitely that hit awful. pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's pivot a little bit because uh, uh, you know, like we've we've talked about some of your blogging, we've talked about your comics work, um, you know, we've uh, um, yeah, we, we've kind of run the gamut. But uh, what do you do at Crunchyroll, Caleb? Well, <laughs> um, I do a lot of things, and it's pretty cool. Um, I'm basically the copywriter for the whole company, so. We have Crunchyroll, we have another streaming platform called Verve, which has Crunchyroll on it, and then a bunch of other uh, video channels. Mm-hmm. So we have brands like Nick Splat with old Nicktoons. 
um, and some other content. We have Boomerang, which has everything that's on Boomerang. Um, we've got tons of stuff. We've got High Dive, another anime streaming package. Gotcha. Um, so basically anything that needs words, I am consultant on sort of most of the time. Um, we had the anime awards last night. Mm-hmm. So one example of one thing that I'll do, uh, over the course of like any given day, I might write a new like app update. Um, I might write a bunch of marketing emails. I might write copy for like our web store. I might write, I might pitch some show titles for like a new series that's coming out. Um, I might do a million things. But we had the anime awards last night, and I got to write names for the drink menu. Um, <laughs> so that's like one of the most fun, uh, tiny little things that I might do on a on a given day. But yeah, it's um, sometimes I'm writing copy for like landing pages. Sometimes I'm suggesting what our buttons should say for like a given action. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, and then sometimes I'm doing things like writing style guides. Sometimes it's a lot of different stuff and uh there's a ton of variety i get to work with almost every team in the building so it's a really fun job and since i already came into the company loving manga and anime and just having a real affinity for the product and the customer um Mm -hmm. it's that much more rewarding so uh it's a great gig for me i'm excited to have it that's awesome. Very, very cool. So th- this is probably going to be like one of those dumb questions where one of these things, like maybe when I get down to editing the podcast, I'm going to say like, why did I ask this? But, you know, I, 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 can't, I, uh, I, I can't help but notice uh, your pronunciation, you know, about uh, anime and, and manga and and. How much does it work your nerve when you hear other pronunciations or incorrect pronunciations? Oh, well, (laughs) um, it doesn't bother me at all, especially because when people are talking about it and they might mispronounce it Mm -hmm. early on, um, they love it and they care. And so it's it's one of those things where um, sometimes a creator like Mark Millar it's actually, he pronounces oh, it Miller, yeah. yeah. Right? Yep, and, and so everybody like, gets it wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, like, how are you supposed to know? It's got a friggin' A there. Like, somebody's got to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just, like, that's in English. So, of course, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with another language, it's been Romanized. It's, you know, vowels have hard sounds or soft sounds. So um, I think when people pronounce manga, manga, it's kind of funny to me because it's... <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't typically correct people unless I think they might like want to know like maybe my mom and dad I'll be like it's actually manga mom and dad you know but <laughs> um, for the most part people are pretty pretty good about things now I think it has a lot to do with things like podcasts sure and it has a lot to do with things like YouTube um, you do hear these things said aloud a lot more often than you may have mm-hmm. 20 years ago when you're just reading about it on a blog um, so I don't, it's, it's weird. I don't find myself, uh, in a position to hear people say it incorrectly very often unless oh, okay. I'm dealing with, uh, maybe somebody in the business, like a, like a, some kind of partner mm-hmm. on a project who's just new to the entire ecosystem. 
Um, and in that case, you don't even need to correct them. You just say it differently and they just pick up on it and you keep on rolling. So, um, yeah, like there's a million like Marvel comics characters. I have no, I have no idea how to pronounce like Kazar or Kazar or like, who oh, knows? Sure. You yeah. You're right. In. Yeah. Like I've never, I've never learned how to say that correctly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you throw in the additional layer of, you know, names in another language and it's like, yeah, everybody gets a pass. Yeah. Do your best. Look it up when you have to like give a speech in front of the academy or whatever. But yeah. otherwise, you know, people people care. They try. So, but it is kind of funny. Like to your point. Yeah. <laughs> kind well, of funny. It uh, it hey, just y'all read some manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, well, it well, just kind of. It just kind of reminds me that you know a lot of us grew up, uh, you know, calling him uh, uh, Magneto. You know, it's like, you oh, know, yeah. you, you had uh, Magneto and Darkseed, <laughs> you know, the, those oh, yeah. kind of no, folks. I, so I, I would say Darkseed. Uh, I would say um, I would say all kinds of comic book names wrong because uh-huh. you have no idea. Oh, they're going for some like weird Greco-Roman thing. And it's just a stylized issue. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, I mean, there's people who will like slap you if you pronounce Mario, if you don't pronounce Mario, Mario. You know, really? like you'll hear like the hardcore video game fans be like, it's Super Mario. And you're like, okay, dude, like, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time in Brooklyn and I've never heard anybody say Mario. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's a plumber from Brooklyn, man. Like, I'm just going to go with what I've been hearing. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's always a fun, like, uh, word game with mm-hmm. your friends. I like to get corrected myself sure. once in a while. It's like, oh, cool. I've only been saying this wrong for 33 years. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's like, thanks for, you know, clowning on my entire life. Thanks. Yeah. Pre- appreciate <laughs> you. My, my life is a lie. Thanks. It, it's great. It's, every day is a, is a learning opportunity. You there know? it is. Like, I'm just letting life be a teacher. Wow, look at Caleb with the philosophy. Very, I like that. I like that a lot. It's yours. Yeah. Take it. Everyone, it's yours. Take it with you. <laughs> well, I tell you what, man, this is uh this has been a lot of fun, you know, uh getting to getting to know you and getting to know your work and uh yeah, it's it's just good times. I I feel like we could talk for literally hours but i get the feeling maybe your pen is starting to uh get some more charge back on it and you might have to head back to the drawing board soon but before uh uh before we get ready to close out i have a multi-part question well actually they're individual questions and you know any of my uh frequent podcast listeners are already cringing at the obnoxious setup of this because like everybody i talk to it's their first time me explaining this but anyway i'm going way way be uh way deep into uh inside baseball here but um i have a i have a series of questions i'd like to ask and it's folks that uh, it's what i ask creative types whether they uh are uh artists writers musicians podcasters whatever's um uh just to kind of get their specific take on some of these themes so what i'd like to ask is uh what has been your biggest challenge and we could break these down individually as we go but like what's been your biggest challenge What's your ultimate direction and what advice do you have for folks that want to pursue their own artistic pursuits? 
Okay, so that's a job interview question. Yeah, it really uh, is. <laughs> I've done I've done this a few times. Um, my biggest challenge is uh, my like personal biggest challenge is staying thinking young, like being mm. being that kind of special, optimistic, and uh, motivated that you kind of like only feel when you're in your like teens or twenties, <laughs> like, like that, that Naruto feeling or whatever, yeah. where you're like, I can do anything if I just believe. And you, uh, at various points in my life, I've totally gotten like high on that feeling. And it's honestly the only reason I'm doing most of what I'm doing is because I watched a ton of shonen anime and read a ton of shonen manga <laughs> and like, I wanted to go with that like uh, blazing spirit of determination um, at all at all costs. You mm-hmm. know, like I didn't care. Like my job is just a job. Like everything I do in my life is to serve this one true goal, and that's the way I felt when I was in bands. Um, as you get older and you you move around and, and life life starts to take shape, um, it's very easy, especially depending on like what your day job is. Uh, to lose some of that um, and it's it's not for lack of trying all the time either you know like you get on LinkedIn and there's all these like tough talk platitudes about like yeah. oh you need to work like Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever or you need to always be grinding if you want to like beat the competition and like that's kind of a lie also you know mm-hmm. it's like no that will kill you and you might not ever make it so um I guess just like the biggest challenge is trying to achieve a measure of balance in your life where you can be uh, sane enough and have like every, have all your errands done, you know, like your life is in order and you feel okay and you're getting enough sleep Mm -hmm. and you, you know, don't hate your job and a million things. Um, Still finding that energy uh, to, to really believe that, this comic you've been working on for months or a year or whatever, like maybe, you know, it's not going to like, you don't have a publisher or like a million things. Um, you know, you're not going to like, it's not going to be made into a movie in the next six months, yeah. you know, like, uh, that's not on your radar necessarily, but to just kind of not care and do it anyway and like find the joy within that. Um, and to still take it as far as you know, you can take it, uh, within your current tool set mm-hmm. um, and to also still keep your eyes open for how do I do the next one bigger? How do I do this one as, as big as I can get it? How do I do the next one bigger? How do you always keep learning and growing? Because um, sometimes you can you can just grind and you're not really learning or growing. Uh, you're just kind of like doing that one thing that you recognize to be productivity mm-hmm. uh, without making sure that it pays off. Um, it's sort of like you know, you can plow your fields a million times, but like you also need to water the stuff and make sure it grows and then you need to harvest it and then you need to sell it. Like it's a whole process. It's not just plowing fields all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, sometimes you can kind of get into that. I just need to keep plowing. It's like, dude, you don't grow anything. You don't sell anything, you know, like, um, so I don't know, uh, my ultimate direction, um, if I can surmount those challenges and not just be busy, but be productive Mm -hmm. is to, uh, and I think, I think this one's sort of in the works and I can only sort of tease it, but, um, 
my ultimate direction is to have, you know, more original uh, content out there that's not self-published, that somebody else is putting out. Oh, okay. Um, to kind of take that next step. Um, because I love doing work for hire, and I love self-publishing all my own comics. Um, ideally, it would be, it seems like it'd be cooler if I didn't have to self-publish all of them. I don't know. That'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. So, um, maybe later this year, I might have more to talk about there, but uh, I've got another cool comic that's like in the works. Um, a bunch of stuff needs to happen before it's done, but um, that's something that's really exciting. That's on the back burner. So, um, yeah, my ultimate direction is not unlike most comic creators, you know, um, my goal isn't to just make comics that get turned into movies or something, but, mm -hmm. uh, my ultimate goal would be to like have my own book that I, you know, either make myself or work on with, with other folks, um, made into some kind of animated thing, uh, whatever, oh, okay. whatever scale that takes. And uh, it'd be pretty cool to have one of my things turn into an actual action figure at some point. So, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe those aren't the biggest, like, those aren't specific goals, you know. I don't need to create He-Man or something, but um, th those are, like, two cool bucket list mm -hmm. items. And if I can take things even further than that, keep developing professionally, uh, so be it. That's what I'm going to try for. But um, anything more specific than that, and I think you kind of jinx yourself a little bit like, Oh, Steven Spielberg needs to direct the movie and you know, so-and-so needs to star. It's like, eh, yeah. Don't be getting so specific, man. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's a little dodgy. Well, you know, and the more you start stacking expectations, that's the harder it swings into disappointment when it doesn't come to pass the way that you wanted it to. So yeah, yeah it's, totally. and it, it's always good to keep perspective. Uh, you can't anticipate what shape the world will take next. Like mm -hmm. your dream 10 years ago might've been to be on TV, linear TV. Well, nobody watches linear TV. <laughs> you right. might as well be on public access now. <laughs> now your dream is to be on, is to be on uh, Crunchyroll, you know, <laughs> or, or another streaming service out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to just stay flexible and to uh -huh. also like realize what's going on around you and like look ahead at the future and like try to envision whatever you're working on to, to take that form. Like, you know, uh, my dream is no longer to have a CD in Best Buy, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I guess that's also my advice. Um, mm -hmm. if you want to make stuff, I guess, uh, I'll, I'll put this through the comics lens, the comics sure. prism. Uh, if you want to make comics, you kind of got to make them to make them, uh, which can seem awful, uh, especially if you're a busy person or you all of a sudden have like a family and like you got to work a job or two jobs or if you're seriously grinding on life, sometimes that can seem unbearable. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I have to make a comic just to like get my foot in the door. Um, but if you treat it sort of like you would treat going to college or something and you have a bunch of projects and like that is essentially like making a comic before you make a comic, you just have to treat it like your own personal education yeah. um, a little bit. And it's sort of practice. Maybe you could make something sick, like right out of the gate. Like that's what I hoped I would do uh, <laughs> early on. I was like, oh yeah, this will be an image book, man. Yeah, like, right, right. So sick. Um, and then, you know, of course, like maybe the next one will mm -hmm. or you know whatever it might be um 
So seriously, just try. Uh, you know, if if you can draw at all, try drawing your own stuff. Um, even if you just want to be a writer, uh, because it will make you a better writer. It'll make you a better um, empath for whoever you do end up working with on the art team. If you want to be a comic book writer, yeah, um, it's easier to talk to folks. Like drawing, like so being somebody who draws their own books now. Uh, I feel like I have a way better relationship with artists than I might have, um, at least personally. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, cool. Like, you can, like, talk to them about their art. You can draw with them. Like, um, and what I've found in comics is people, there's no shortage of people if you are, like, cool. And I mean cool in the way that, like, you're earnest and, and like, humble and hungry and you have, like, a drive. Uh, that kind of cool. Not, like, I don't know you've got a bedazzled jean pockets or something. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Cause that's rad. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people will do want to help you. People do want to give you advice. Like, and it's not just for you. It's also for them to be able to kind of like verbalize like their current understanding of how to work and make cool stuff. Um, so yeah, talk to people, mm-hmm. I guess, try, try hard, do your best talk to people and just kind of like be real, like be you and um, you'll figure out your goals Mm -hmm. uh, by doing that. You'll figure out like what comics means to you or like what, what making a book means to you. And it could totally transform your outlook, who you think you should publish through, who you think your readers might be. Um, It'll transform all of that. Mm -hmm. Just that experience of trying to actually make it, and talk to folks and be a be a, a part of the ecosystem that you might not yeah. have been before. Um, and sometimes those changes aren't what you expected at all, mm-hmm. uh, but you'll feel like a huge sense of relief after you at least give it a shot. Awesome, you know. And just uh, just listening to you go through that, Caleb, it it uh, I I now have a really good understanding of why you and Kyle are friends. Uh, because there's there there's a lot of philosophical similarities in there. Um, almost lost track of who I was talking to for a second because uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are uh, uh, very simpatico on a on a lot of things, and it's uh, I, on my side that's 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 really really cool, and uh, definitely uh, appreciate the insight. So let's um so let's trans uh, uh yeah let's kind of transition into plug time. If uh, now would be the time to kind of get out the uh the cowbell and the triangle and round everybody up and let folks know about all of the cool stuff and things that they can find from you out on the internet awesome uh well thank you first of all uh if you want to keep up with all my comic stuff uh you can follow me on twitter at caleb andrew um you can also follow me on instagram at uh Monda Green Ranger. Um, you'll put these in the show notes, right? I don't have to spell Absolutely. Them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't spell any of that. Yeah, again, click in the show notes. It'll be all there for you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and then, yeah, those are probably the best two places. Okay. And, you know, if you're like, uh, if you're a Hollywood type and you want to option some stuff, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just Google me. It's right there. Just uh, add me. We'll talk. We'll make some deals. We get those contract signs. I love it. Um, anything else you want to specifically plug while I got you? 
Um, yeah, just come see me at Emerald City. I'm at table R10. Uh, we'll have copies of the new Bird Squatch graphic novel um, and some of the other good stuff I've been working on. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for now. I'm excited to have a bunch more stuff to talk about, hopefully in the fall. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely have to reconnect then. I'd uh, love to have you back on to give you another opportunity to uh, pimp your wares and talk about your stuff. No, I really appreciate it. It's been great talking with you, Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. Now, uh, last thing before uh, before I let you go is: um, Are there any particular shout outs or acknowledgments uh, for folks you'd like to spread some love to before uh, before we part ways for now? Yeah. Uh, so Buster Moody, who I do Task Force Rad Squad with, he's working on a book that will hopefully come out this spring or summer um, called Laser Storm. So if you liked Rad Squad, you'll love that. Uh, I think it's about a bunch of giant hunters with like laser guns. So uh, you, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, who else? I don't know. Buster's <laughs> my only friend. No. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Shots across the bow. I mean, it's like if I had an air horn, I'd be firing it off right now. Just wham, 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 wham. Well, definitely go to Crackle Fest 9, which which you may have heard about by now. Um, You'll have a great time with Kyle and the other bands. Mm -hmm. And this guy I'm talking to right now, I think we'll be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, if you like words, if you get Crunchyroll emails, chances are I wrote one of them. So uh, enjoy the subject lines. I am trying to make you go crazy with puns. So <laughs> uh, check. Um, and then anybody I've forgotten just now, it's just because I'm looking at my dog and she's really cute. And Aww. I can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I uh, love the doggos. <laughs> so. Same. All right, Caleb. Well, this is a again. This has been a blast. Um, yeah, well, uh, we will definitely have to connect uh, sometime in the future, and I'm looking forward to uh, connecting and meeting with you in person at uh, Emerald City. Yeah, it'll be great. Thanks so much, Mike. You're very welcome, and we will catch you around the way. Awesome. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks again to Caleb for taking the time. Uh, be sure and drop by his artist alley table, AAR10, uh, which sounds like a, a really sweet astro droid. Uh, uh, again, that's going to be table R10 in Artist Alley during Emerald City Comic Con happening Thursday, March 14th through the 17th. And he might even have prints of his Crackle Fest 9 poster uh, there at his table, as well as some at the show Friday night at Crackle Fest. Now, as of press time, uh, don't have that 100% confirmed, so don't quote me on it in case it doesn't happen, uh, but keep an eye out on the Mike Seibert Radio social media for the latest updates. Now, before I get out of here this week, I'd like to take a few minutes and thank my friends, fans, guests, and supporters who all helped keep me motivated through 200 episodes of podcasting. I appreciate every one of you. So let's close things out with some shout outs. Now, I, 
I apologize in advance if I miss your name or if I accidentally leave you out. Um, no offense is intended, but um, I, I went through my listing of the episodes and wanted to call out uh, some great friends I've made along the way. Uh, sue me, I just, uh, I just watched the Oscars last weekend and heard a lot of thank you speeches and just, uh, just kind of caught the bug. So uh, uh, here we go. I'm starting off with... Uh, uh, Kyle Stevens and Kirby Crackle, uh, Anthony Brucalli from TFU.info and Transformers University, Ben Harpold and Liz and the great folks from Sidefest Northwest and Nick around Seattle, uh, Jason Marshall from the We Don't Have Cookies podcast, artist Rebecca Hicks and Chris Waffle from Mega Thruster, Sir Jimmers from Distortion Productions and Ryan from The Finest, Central Defense, The Fighting Fifth, Colin Douglas from TFCon, Aaron, Ryan, and Caleb, the Autopod Decepticast, along with Skeeter, Serge Bamba, and Michael Andrews. Kelly Fenley from Little Black Dress Party. Corey Smothers, Disco Nonsense. Michael Geisler, Bytor Music. And Ryan Knopp, all formerly of These Young Fools and Flicker and Fade. Sam and Chris and Waking Things. Comic creator Matt Miner, I just got my copy of All We Ever Wanted last week. A musician, actress, comedian, and now comic writer Lucia Fasano. Nicola Whalen and Pacific Noise Works. Mike Martin from Funko. And costume characters for Causes and Jason Halverson, the Pacific Northwest's own Tony Stark himself. Ian from the Earth 919 podcast. Caleb Lowry and the Steve Strout. Ron Reinhardt the lead singer of the legendary speed metal band Dark Angel and Mike Burt and Limberlost, Raymond Hayden and Strangely All Right, Matt and Tim, the Not So Much But Us show, my dude Eric Mannix, he's going to be at Cracklefest doing some concert photography, also the Out of the Fridge podcast, uh, Brian Meredith, Jet City Comic Show and Subspace Comics, first sold me comic books when I was in high school, uh, comic book artist Blackie Shepard, the Cybertron Spree, The Robin Slim Show, my name brother Matt Siebert and the Mr. BS Show just recently closed out their run, the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast and So I Married a Movie Geek for the shoutouts, and Chris Kim, the Green Korean host of the Faces and Aces Podcast, and my first guest interview I did for KGRG, and of course, all of the great bands and guests I connected with during my time on college radio. And speaking of friends from KGRG, I have to give it up specifically to my current frequent guest co-host, Killing Spree, for being my grouchy friend. The Predator still fucking sucks! And Dave Sanders for being my other grouchy friend and for helping me with some behind the scenes uh, production stuff as well. Uh, Appreciate both you guys. Um, Also to Cool Guy Luke, Andrea, Elijah and Hunter for being guests on the podcast and to all of the interns, guests and co-hosts I had the pleasure to share the radio with. And of course, Mickey, my first co-host who helped me build the foundation for what this show would ultimately evolve into. And I also want to thank my instructors and mentors at Green River College, part of the broadcast journalism program and KGRG. Um, Of course, their leader, Tom Evans Krause, uh, engineer at large, John Kasprick, the legendary Bob Rivers and award winning journalist, um, 
sorry, uh, uh, multiple award-winning journalist Charlie Harger. And going further back, um, I want to thank Hot Kyle Maxwell for uh, making me feel like a personality and a part of uh, his podcast back in the day, as well as interacting with me on uh, social media and helping me catch that bug. Um, And hey, if you're in Tacoma, go check out his place, Black Fleet Brewing. It's great. Um, Same goes for BJ Shea's Geek Nation, uh, specifically the Reverend Enfuego for um, also letting me be a part of the show and for giving me my first uh, taste of real broadcasting as well as uh, some uh, uh, website blog publishing. And uh, to Brandon Jerwa, Chris Walker, Pete Greenberg, and Vicky B for making me feel welcome as we discussed Captain America the Winter Soldier on the first podcast I was ever a part of. Uh, that's probably why that's still my favorite Marvel movie even now. And thanks to BJ Shea for directly inspiring me and hooked me on radio, uh, which uh, which started as a fandom, turned into a hobby, and then later my job, and is now a passion. And finally, I I wouldn't be talking to you now if not for my amazing wife Lucky, who uh, who has helped and encouraged me at every single turn uh she's my sounding board and my rock and i wouldn't be able to do any of this without her unending support and i will always be grateful i love you Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio and until next time make good choices. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including all of my KGRG College Radio shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, Apple Podcasts, and on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MikeSybertRadio and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And again, that spelling is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, just the way it sounds. Join us Friday, March 15th at Hard Rock Seattle for Cracklefest 9 featuring Word Burglar, Megathruster, and of course, the pioneers of nerd rock Kirby Crackle, I will be your host that night, and I hope to see you all out there. Emerald City Comic Con presents Cracklefest 9, A Night of Nerd Rock. For more information, including ticket info, videos, music, blogs, and more, check out KirbyCracklemusic.com. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike, and until next time, make good choices. <laughs>